from runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 857, Getting Rid of Excel with guest Jennifer Stirrup. Recorded Tuesday, October 28th, 2022. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts, LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Hi, this is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Bringing back one of my favorites today, Jen Stirrup, who is an industry analyst and speaker and author, Microsoft Data Platform MVP, data strategist and practitioner in business intelligence, big data and data visualization. I think this is like your fifth or sixth show back. Congratulations. Thank you. You're a regular. Thank you. I'm super excited to be back. When an email drops in my mailbox from you, you know, saying, hey, do you want to have a chat? I'm like, yeah, definitely. So I'm really glad to be back. Always enjoy talking with you. And it's usually because you've written a great blog post again. Thank you. And this one's a troublemaker, Jen. What are you up to? Getting rid of Excel? Are you crazy? (laughs) You know, um, I have a love-hate relationship with Excel. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not just the technology, and we'll probably come on to that. I think it's also the way that it's used. I think for me, one of the times I received an email from somebody who sent me a Christmas card. Right. And you might think, okay, that sounds nice. That's nice, yeah. It is nice. I'm, I'm glad they celebrate. And they got they sent me an Excel spreadsheet and they coloured the cells in like a Christmas tree. <laughs> and if you change the different filters, then the, the Christmas tree lights changed. Oh, no. They'd put a lot of work into that. I mean, seriously. And I just sat with my head in my hands and I thought... This person's put so much work into this. I don't know how to thank them because this must have been a huge effort. I was grateful. But then I thought, I don't think I've ever had an Excel Christmas card before. I've never had one since. Right. Uh, I'm still grateful I got it. But it's just one of the many ways that Excel can be used and maybe misused right. in this case. It's not really for generating Christmas cards. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you obviously can do so many things with it. And that's its strength and it's also its downfall. And I guess that's the sort of thing I'd like to unpick with you today. But you are right. It is an absolute um, troublemaker of a question. Yeah. Because Excel users are like drivers. I don't know if you've ever met anybody that says, you know what, I'm really not good at driving. I've never really nailed it. Um, I'm pretty average, maybe bad driver. Nobody says that. Right. Everybody secretly thinks they're a good driver, right? Everyone thinks they're above average. Right. It's, it's like more, yeah, 80% of people say they're above average in driving. Right? <laughs> exactly like, wait, right. That can't be true <laughs> by definition. Exactly. <laughs> And Excel's the same, right? Everyone thinks that they are a fantastic Excel user. No one says, you know what? I don't really know that Excel stuff. You know, everyone goes in. It's very intuitive and it's a great thing. But at the same time, everyone thinks they're good at it. 
And that can't be true either. Yeah. Well, and I, I've certainly seen and, and worked with organizations where way too much of the intelligence of the company was buried in Excel. In it's so right. Incredibly elaborate spreadsheets with incredibly fragile macros, you know, yeah. even some VBA behind it. Like you can go way down the rabbit hole with that tool and get to a place where it's like, this is not a good way to for your the thing for your business to be dependent upon. Absolutely. And probably like me, you've gone absolutely squeed eyed at Excel formula. Right. All those brackets. Yeah. You know, even things like account if, which should be simple. You're thinking, all right, so is it the bracket goes here and then there's an apostrophe or is it double quotes? I can't remember. I have to go to Excel <laughs> website and look it up, even though it's I've been using it for, I don't know, decades now. Mm -hmm. But you always have to go back to that Books Online Microsoft Learn page and double check. Yeah. But certainly I do. Well, I always have a browser window open with Microsoft Learn for all those formulas and so forth. It doesn't matter if I remember them or not. That's just good practice. Yeah. And it's confusing, I think, because Excel formula, as much as you love them, they are difficult to read. Mm -hmm. They are hard to read. So I'm like you. I've seen Excel misused and used successfully all over the place. And you're right. Organizations shouldn't be burying their business logic in a spreadsheet that's become so bloated mm -hmm. they can hardly open it. And I do see that from time to time. So this is when all my Excel war wounds are coming out. Right. So I'm perfectly willing to accept that people are going to lob things at me over Twitter for seeing this sort of stuff. But it's true. Right. <laughs> and I'm going to see it. Yeah. <laughs> so if you look at something like um, I used an example in my Excel blog post. Very simple example. All I want to do is I want to format the date. Seems fair. Seems fair, right? Mm -hmm. Dates in Excel format are a weird and wonderful thing. So sometimes it will go to general format, and then that will change it to an integer, and then you try to put it in text format, that will change as well. Or sometimes you might not want the data you're entering to become a date, right. but then it says January or February. And you think, no, 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 I really want it to say 02. That's what I want. What I don't want is a it's simply to say February, for example. Right. So these sound like really simple things. But actually, for many organizations, this is where we start to uh, struggle. And I, I've been looking online at Excel blogs for probably decades now, and people are still struggling over the same things. And there's a wonderful example with the NHS, actually. They... Um, as you know, Excel spreadsheets are very prone to errors. Mm -hmm. Simple mistakes can happen any time. So during uh, the pandemic, the NHS using an Excel spreadsheet to load data into a Postgres um, database. Right. And they added in an additional column. And, of course, they couldn't unload the data anymore uh, because they made a simple change. So it's really easy just to... Um, make errors all the time. So, for example, there's a Canadian power company called TransAlta. Mm -hmm. They lost 24 million when an employee misaligned the rows in an Excel spreadsheet. It was a simple copy and paste error. The bids were aligned with the wrong contracts that wiped out 10% of TransAlta's profit for the entire year Wow! with a click. Um, click. And also in uh, 2005, uh, Kodak, 
no longer with us really as a company, not what they were anyway. They suffered a, an 11 million severance due to an Excel typo. <laughs> and the thing is, it's not the software, right? It's the people. And this is what I think is the downfall of Excel. Everyone thinks they are great at it. But then the reality is they go in and do something that's super simple. Excel doesn't check them. And we see suddenly companies losing a lot of money. Or even it could be more dangerous than that. So MI5, uh, the uh, British Intelligence and Domestic uh, uh, Service, Mm -hmm. MI5 are responsible for looking for and collecting internal intelligence about um, terrorism coming into uh, from domestic uh, MI6 is international terrorism right but unfortunately MI5 bugs the wrong phones due to a spreadsheet formatting error and that meant the agency was actually tapping over a hundred people entirely unrelated to the investigation and that was a simple itself formatting error it changed the last three digits of the phone numbers to zero 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 and as a result. <laughs> Completely innocent British citizens had their phones taxed by the government while the suspects were unobserved. So I think you can imagine, I mean, that isn't just a, we've lost money, which is bad enough. That is something that people are actually potentially getting away with something or not having intelligence collected about them simply because they've been checked. Right. So there's loads and loads and loads of different examples of this. And it's something I see. But And this has all come down to you have to spend a lot of time validating your data. Mm. We could hold a whole session just on that, honestly, Richard. Sure. And this is where I'm going to show more war wounds. I personally don't see people testing their own results. So when we look at the way business users use Excel, they're often been landed with a spreadsheet and they're basically told to figure out and get on with it. And that's when they start to think, hey, I'm really good at this Excel stuff. Mm-hmm. And they don't check themselves properly. Some of that, I think, is they don't always have the training to do that. Or perhaps it requires a certain level of discipline that people don't have. I think business leaders tend to underestimate how long it can take to do something. They want their data yesterday, don't understand why it isn't there. Again, we could hold a whole blog post just about that. So people are under pressure to deliver. I think the other side of it is sometimes I see the situation where people do have a background in software, computer engineering in some way, but they don't check themselves. I think some of that is potentially arrogance. Mm-hmm. It's only Excel. Of course I got it right. I would right. never make a mistake like mm-hmm. that. I'm not a silly business user. And there is a lot of, um, there can be some arrogance around that. Perhaps not realising that actually there's no validation really on Excel when you type something in. And you can add validation to cells, but again, it's all hidden in business logic on a cell spreadsheet. Yeah, m- so there's quite a lot happening. This kind of reminds me, uh, it, it's almost like the problems we have with mercury in fish, right? Where it's only a little bit in the in the basic low-level fish, but as the bigger fish eat them, it concentrates up. You build these more and more elaborate spreadsheets that are dependent on rows and columns further down. And if mm. there is ever an error or an accidental edit made somewhere in that spreadsheet, and there's no audit log of any of those edits being made, yes, 
You know, all of a sudden, everything above it is incorrect. Absolutely. And what you see is people blaming the person that just left right. or saying, oh, yeah, so-and-so did that two years ago. But what they're not really recognizing is that the and there should be a better process in place so people catch themselves out if they've made an error mm -hmm. or there's no guardrails where that spreadsheet is not being checked by someone else. Now, this is one of my favorite ever Excel spreadsheet stories, and it will probably resonate with a lot of people. Um, I remember I was working for an organization a number of years ago, and it was my second day on site. You're getting to know everyone. You know where the coffee is. Mm -hmm. You say some spreadsheets. I'll take a little look. And I thought, okay, so all they wanted to do was calculate the median. And the median, as I'm sure you know, Richard, for the mm -hmm. benefit of listeners who are not sure, the median, all we do is take the data, we put it in ascending order, and we pick the middle number. Right. That's super simple. In case people are struggling with their high school statistics, I just thought I would mention that. So when I looked at this particular spreadsheet, instead of using the median formula in Excel, they had picked the middle column, the middle cell in a column, and said that's the median. So the thing with that is if you sort the columns next to the column that you're trying to find the median right. of, the value is going to change because mm -hmm. it's going to sort. So that middle col that middle cell in that column can change quite drastically. So when I picked up the spreadsheet, it was all about the median time it's taken for the organization to solve IT support cases. Should be simple, right? Right. So when I got it, it was 90. And I thought, are they really taking 90 days to solve IT support issues? That's huge. And then that's what made me look. Because there's something in my spidey sense about yeah. the data set that's not right. Hmm. So being a bit nosy, I realized they'd done this thing. The middle cell in this column equals the median. Right. So I go and ask them and I say, look, you know, because when I fix this, the actual length of time as the median to resolve support issues goes down to seven days rather than 90. And that seems more realistic. Mm -hmm. And I spoke to the business leader and he said, you have been calculating the median wrong. And I said, I'd gathered that. And he absolutely hit himself. I think it's my only time in my 25 year career in IT. I've actually seen someone punch themselves in the forehead. Oh, wow. Uh, when they saw the errors. And I thought, wow, that's really something. And I said, okay, so um, sometimes, Richard, I should just tell myself to shut up. <laughs> but I just keep going. <laughs> and this was one of these things. I said, so how, are you doing this in any other spreadsheets? And I swear, Richard, he hit himself again. No, oh, wow. And, and I said, what is it you're trying to do? And I mean, I have my best consultant's face on, Richard. You're really doing your best day. right now, right? No giggles. No giggles. <laughs> I was just aghast. And he said, well, we've been calculating this wrong for the past two years. And I thought, what? What? You know? And Man. I said, well, why are you doing the median? Because surely you'd want the mean or something like that. And mm -hmm. then that's when he got really red in the face. And he said, well, we tried to calculate the median for two years. We couldn't do it. So we thought we'd go for the median and we'd use that. And we said that the median would be the middle cell in this column. So I said, okay, I'm going to replay, the, replay this back to you. So 
For the past four years, your organisation has been unable to calculate the mean and the median in a spreadsheet. Is that right? And he said, yes, it's okay. That's not good, is it? <laughs> no. Right. You said, okay, I'm going to take what you've said and I'll take it back to your statisticians. And I thought, you've got statisticians? What are they doing? What are they doing? So anyway, I walked down the uh, back to my desk and I just thought, wow, I've really been my money's worth today as a consultant. Yeah, no kidding. I've fixed this error. But the mean function's built in. I know, I know. But this is the sort of thing I see. Yeah. And I kid you not, Richard, I couldn't believe it because I was there for a, a month later. So at my desk and I'd seen plenty more Excel mistakes, which I won't bore you with. And they, they somebody put something in my desk and it was a newsletter for the company. And I thought, well, okay, that's nice. I get a little printout. It's a waste of paper, but never mind. I pick it up and I kid you not, Richard, on this headline, it said, the IT team have been working so hard They've managed to resolve to get down the median time it takes to solve IT support cases from 90 days down to seven. Duty, we'd like to thank them for all their efforts and resolving the IT support cases so quickly. And I thought, no, really? <laughs> what a marketing spin is that? Yeah. So, no, that's a spreadsheet. I had to go out for a walk actually because I just thought I, I don't believe what I'm reading. <laughs> they, took advantage of correcting a calculation in a big way. Exactly. So I'm sorry it's quite a long story, but it's just the context. It's very There's so funny. much wrong there, and I see this a lot. Yeah. People not able to verify what they're doing. Even since checking the data, surely we think to yourself, hold on a minute, 90 days seems a long time. But the thing is, it's quite difficult that so many people look to that, including statisticians, mm -hmm. couldn't work their way around the mean and the median. So goodness knows what the rest of the spreadsheets must be like. Because yeah, no I problem. honestly think if Excel was switched off tomorrow, let's pretend, you know, I don't know, Office 365, Microsoft 365 goes down, Excel was switched off, and every single Excel desktop edition goes corrupt in the universe. Businesses would stop. They'd absolutely stop because sure. so many people are running on fumes on Excel. And I think what I've got a real beef with is the processes that people become lazy. And it looks like an Excel error. Sometimes it is. Excel isn't that easy to use. There sometimes can be, it can be difficult to read a spreadsheet. The formula can be difficult to read. Right. There's no clear way to unit test your work other than dumping it into another Excel spreadsheet and trying to see if you can turn that into a pivot table. And pivot tables are not easy either. Right. So we can also hide columns and rows and people don't see that they're hidden and oh dear. All the all those tricky things, especially when you've renamed columns and rows so they don't know that they you can't see the the sequence on them. Yes. And Jen, I gotta interrupt for one moment with this very important message. This episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by the Humanitarian Toolbox. Humanitarian Toolbox builds open source software for disaster relief organizations. One of the leading projects called Two Weeks Ready helps individuals, families, and communities prepare for disasters using smartphones. HTBox builds and operates this and other applications on behalf of a variety of disaster response organizations, and they need your help. Go to htbox.org for more information or to make a tax-deductible donation. HTBox is a 501c3 U.S. registered charity. Your donations help support the creation of this life-saving software. Thanks. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Jen Stirrup. We're talking about really the way people abuse Excel. 
but also uh, and they get themselves in trouble. Like the real part I got from your stories in the first half is they were making business decisions on incorrect data. Absolutely. 100%. I see that a lot. So, I mean, I don't have a big problem with people starting out in Excel, but there's got to be a point where you acknowledge I'm going down a path where I'm no longer sure if the data is correct and we need to change tools. Absolutely. And it's not just a tool change. It's also a process change as well, where people often start to think, oh, you know what? We need to actually start growing as a company. Mm -hmm. So they reach the tipping point. So I don't know if you've came across him. I think his name is Andrew Grove. Um, he terms it the inflection point. Uh, Gladwell, Malcolm Gladwell called it the tipping point. Right. But the idea is that in an organisation, when it's growing, you reach that inflection point. And uh, for those who don't know, um, Andy Grove was actually CEO of Intel, and he coins that term, strategic inflection point. Right. Your business just gets to the point where they need to change process, they need to maybe grow up as an organization now when if you think of it as an organization in its infancy and processes like that are fine but there is a point where it's data anarchy and the problem with data anarchy is you've got a free-for-all there's very little control there's no controlled access to data and it's no longer fitting the organizational needs I don't know if you see this, but in startups, I can see people with a a hero complex, the Mm -hmm. empire skill sets. They don't always share knowledge because they don't need to. And they become the data guy or the app guy or the web guy. The holder of all all knowledge, right? They they have the secrets. They hold it all. And there's a lot of that. And particularly with data. So you could be the Excel guy Mm -hmm. or the Power BI guy or the Tableau guy. Um, so I think the when I use guy, I use men and women and non-binary. Right. I should just make that clear. Mm-hmm. Being Scottish, we use, it's a, a term we use for everybody. So I don't mean to leave people out. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. So I think when I look at um, those type of organisations, people are very often unwilling to let go of their hero capes. And you can see why. They've helped to get the organisation to a good point. They've got their superhero cape on. And what they're doing is trying to hold on to that cape. But the organisational needs are are really demanding that they need to start to share the knowledge. They need to start to empire, stop empiring, Mm -hmm. rather, the knowledge. And they need to get out to sell spreadsheets. And that's when they start to enter a bit of a teenager phase. Now, Andy Grove was CEO of Intel and uh, before he died, actually a few years ago. And what I think... I admired about his work was he demonstrably navigated Intel through some very difficult times Mm -hmm. to make sure they remained relevant. And he really talked about this term reflection point as a real decision point in the course of the business where it marks the start of significant change. And Excel helps you to get to that inflection point. But what comes after that? That's where businesses, I think, need a data strategy. Right. They need to start to think about how do we get better with our data? In my opinion, the organizations who take the data seriously are the ones who are more successful. We see, I see that a lot. And I saw that in 2008 with the financial crisis. The, the businesses that are set up with good data practices are the ones who did better. Yeah. Well, and I, I got to imagine like, you, you know, for me and for anyone in IT, 
there's literally this thought of, are we going to wait until we harm the business with a mistake in Excel before we do something about this? Yes. And I think there is that attitude of this the superhero coming back in again. Mm-hmm. Oh, everything will be fine. We'll just restore the backup. Uh, the kind of attitude. But what I think they don't always see is the impact it has in the business. What worked last year or the year before isn't working now. I'm seeing strong growth in data science and analytics teams across the board at the minute. And people are having to go through awkward changes, but they're having to share information. And that means getting it out of Excel. One tip I would give people is if you were handed an Excel spreadsheet and you don't know how it works, I would install one of the plugins called Excel Inquire. That's Inquire with an I. Mm -hmm. What that would do is it will create a spreadsheet of your spreadsheet. It will burst open the spreadsheet. It will show you the formula. It will show you any hidden cells. It will uh, show you um, any mistakes in the formula. And as a consultant, it's an absolute gift. If you're not using Excel Inquire, honestly, once this podcast is done, you absolutely 100% should open up Excel, install the add-in if you have not done so, and you can thank Richard and myself later (laughs) for sharing this nugget of wisdom. Uh, You most definitely should. I'll include a link to how to turn on the Inquire add-in in the show notes too, because, yeah, so powerful. And, and just, you know, in, in software development, when I put on that other hat and I'm handed a chunk of code I don't understand, I write tests around it to start to understand yes. its behavior. The Inquire looks like exactly the same thing for a spreadsheet. Yeah, exactly. And it's in spreadsheet format, so it's super easy. It's got lots of tabs mm-hmm. that would really bust open that spreadsheet. I actually showed this in a training course once. And one of the women actually got up and she walked out to the meeting. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what's wrong with her? She was clearly angry. And um, her boss and her boss's boss looked at me, looked at one another, and they said, you've just given away all of our intellectual property. That's why she's so angry. <laughs> and I said, really? Why? He said, we've been trying to get her to document her Excel formula for years because the business logic is hidden in the spreadsheet. Right. She's never done it. And you've handed it to us on a plate. And she never came back into the training. And I thought, wow, what a horrible political situation to be in. Yeah, no kidding. Like, that's that's not healthy for anyone. Exactly. Like, how does that person take a vacation? Exactly. It's not good for them to feel that they have to empire yeah. their knowledge in that way. It's also not good for the business because they said she – holds so much in our spreadsheets we don't know what's going on yeah so i think sometimes people don't test because they don't want to they don't want to document because they don't want to share that information i see that a lot sure because they see it as the way that keeps them in their jobs my own opinion is that the more help and the more information you give away about data the more influence you have Mm -hmm. actually in the organization i think the ones that enable others through data that's a special type of superpower yeah not the superpower of being the excel person the guru is actually about taking that data and helping the business to understand that's the superpower and it's rare yeah and it and it abs- but it also you you only stay busier right like this oh, yeah. building walls around your work doesn't make your life better 
Uh, I've also done work where we were so dependent on the data that was in those spreadsheets that we ended up pulling that data into a database, still using the spreadsheet formulas because you Excel is perfectly good at pulling the data from the database. But that's when you found out how often that Excel data was being fudged, was being edited. Oh, gosh, yes. As soon as Absolutely. You, as soon as you create it, and the, my problem with Excel is that lack of audit log. You don't know what changes were made where and when. Where as soon as I'm using formal data structures and I don't allow updates of rows, you can only, you know, insert new rows. So I have a chronology of exactly how things get changed. Then you realize, you know, again, we're lying to ourselves. We're changing data for to make ourselves feel better rather than to actually having a copy of the truth. Absolutely. Data lineage is increasingly important. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people understand that. Um, I don't see good data lineage practices generally in organisation. I think it's more visible in Excel than others. Mm-hmm. I think also um, you can use technologies like Snowflake, for example. Now, I'm a huge Snowflake fan. Mm-hmm. I have to start by saying that. So I've been using it quite a lot recently. Uh, and I'm going to be using it again next year. So I'm super excited about that. But it's possible to for people to use things like Snowflake as a dumping ground for Excel and CSV files. Right. I'm not saying that it's... Um, for that because it's actually should be for data warehousing to support your analytics and to give you a good stable data foundation but it's so easy for people just to say hey we'll dump the Excel spreadsheet in a table in Snowflake and expect Snowflake to do all the hard work if they compute for example to give it um, to give the data some oomph and some speed when it's being delivered and that's fine but again, all that's happening is shifting the problem. Yeah. You've still got CSVs, you've got disconnected data silos all over the place. They just happen to be in a database. That doesn't mean that they are documented. It doesn't mean there's any data lineage. And those Excel mistakes you mentioned are not only in Excel now, now they're in Snowflake as well. Right. And from there, they can make it through to Tableau, Power BI. Or, God help us, another Excel spreadsheet. (laughs) (laughs) I guess Excel's daisy changed all over the place, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, again, it's that data stability. I know we can back up Excel spreadsheets, but you still don't have the granularity that you have with a database or, you know, more robust data stores where you can go through transaction by transaction and do recovery, that you can Uh, get to some level of the truth. I think it's too easy to damage this data in a way that go, that going back to what you might believe is known data represents a huge loss. You're just not going to be able to recover from it. You're just so vulnerable. Yeah. It can be so public as well. And within the organization, because people are using bad data to make uh, bad decisions like you mentioned earlier in 2012, uh, the London Olympics actually were very embarrassed by an Excel typo. So what they did was they had 10,000 tickets to sell for a swimming event. And London 2012 Olympics was huge here, absolutely huge. Sure. So it was a real difficulty to get tickets. So an employee actually missed a keystroke. They entered 20,000 instead of 10,000. So they vastly oversold tickets to the event. Oh, man. And they had to then refund thousands of ticket holders 
It's like we're seeing the data lineage, the verification of the data. That's very difficult to spot in an, yeah. expense, in an Excel spreadsheet. You can't see it. Yeah, so hard to see mistakes. Oh, absolutely. Because if I saw 20,000 tickets for sale in an Excel spreadsheet, if I had no context, I think that was fine. So it's very, very difficult for people to check this. Ideally, um, I think to sort of come to more a positive note, I think what I think organisations should do is automate. And if they're using Excel to daisy chain data around the place, that has to stop. Automation is really the solution. And that's at all ends of the data lifecycle. Mm-hmm. But it also has to be accompanied by robust data lineage and also data quality as well. Now, these things are not often popular with organisations. I think I see an increasing industry for synthetic data, particularly for artificial intelligence. Right. And I think people are now starting to move towards synthetic data sets, partly because the existing data that they have is so riddled with errors. It's almost like, well, we could spend a lot of money fixing these errors, or we could just buy synthetic data and use that to train our models for AI instead. So synthetic data, actually, that's another topic we could talk about another day, because that's a whole new emerging domain. Gartner is starting to talk about it as well, uh, because it's interesting. I just love the idea that if we're struggling to use machine learning models, Mm. maybe it's actually a data quality problem. A hundred percent. There's so many times I see that happening. Yeah. And data has to be prepared, whether they like it or not, for data models. Now, if you use something like a neural net, it's going to want to normalize the data Mm -hmm. as part of the pre-processing. That's what it does. But other models don't pre-process that data. So suddenly you get data in all sorts of different formats that could be impacting one another, simply because some of the columns could be normalized, some of them may not be. And that can actually cause problems with the outcomes that you see in the model. So I think I see a move towards more synthetic data simply because uh, people are just fed up trying to fix their data. And it's actually an issue with the processes, I think, yeah. in place. I worked with one organisation who who did a study. Uh, it's really interesting uh, as part of the individual's M- MBA. Uh, they, they actually worked out that the organization for every three correct data points they produced, they were actually producing another 10 incorrect data points. Wow. So they were just constantly falling back and falling back and falling back. Wow, such big numbers. It's huge. And when people are sitting, they actually, in the end, um, made data quality a board metric. So the board of directors could actually see that was up there with turnover and revenue. Yeah. And they worked out some very complex data quality metrics to make that happen. I did some work alongside them uh, for that. And I think it's an incredibly brave thing for an organisation to do, to say, hey, we are at 15% correct data, for example. Yeah. No, I think it's a really great point to to get senior leadership to sponsor the idea of a data quality initiative. Yeah. Just say, is the, you know, let's start validating that what we're doing is correct, keeping track of when we're making mistakes with our data and, and to start implementing procedures to increase the quality of data. Absolutely. Because I do think these sort of changes 
only come into play when two things are in place. Mm-hmm. One is an executive sponsor, and number two is a crisis. Right. Some description. Yeah, so yeah. those two things together really are what the organization needs to lift their head out of Excel when they realize that they are making mistakes and they're shooting themselves in the foot. Right. If your organization is producing 10 incorrect data points for every three correct ones, using more Excel spreadsheets is not going to solve that problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and being more careful with Excel probably isn't the way either. You know, I think it, it, you think about the amount of effort you'd have to go into to validate complex data sets in, in Excel. It's less mm-hmm. time consuming and expensive to move them to more reliable data stores. That's right. And I think um, because people don't like to think about data quality, they don't then measure the impact in the rest of the business as well. Absolutely. When I speak to organizations and say, hey, can you translate the impact of your data quality into a financial metric? You know, what are you spending now on it? How is it impacting your business? And if you tackled it, what would it start to save you? Would it give you like more productive hours in the organization? How would you think about that? Yeah. But nobody wants to look. No, and that's a terrible idea because you just, you you know, we hide from the fact that we're going to make terrible mistakes that can kill us company. It's insane. Absolutely. You wouldn't accept it anywhere else. Why are you accepting it in your spreadsheets? <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, it seems a very interesting area, I mm-hmm. think. I think people respond to data in the way they don't respond to technology generally. Um, everyone's got an opinion, yep. whether it is valid or not, or whether it's knowledgeable or expert or not. And I think that's the difference between a data mindset and a tech mindset. Yeah. And people sometimes do think, well, it's in the spreadsheet or it's come from the database, so it must be right. I think there's a misplaced faith that people will sometimes put into their data stores that are actually not correct. I think there's room for insights as well. Mm -hmm. And I keep hearing data-driven decisions. But for me, I can show you a, a Tableau workbook that says something like, your sales go down 5% in the next year. And we could export that to Excel, for example. It's not going to make the facts go away that the sales are going to get down. The forecast is a decrease in sales over five years. Where the real magic happens is, what does that mean for the rest of the business? What does a 5% drop in turnover mean for the marketing team? Right. Or for customer service? And I think that data is quite well hidden in Excel spreadsheets and it stops organizations thinking more strategically and horizontally about their data. And I think as much as I do love Excel, I think the processes around it are wrong because people get stuck with Excel. They don't move forward and it takes a crisis, an executive sponsor to say, we have to change how we're doing things. And please not just simply buy another technology. Because honestly, they might just use go from Excel to Google Sheets, yep. for example, yeah. or Zoho or whatever it happens to be. That's not going to change anything. No. Not really. It's just it's just picking one vulnerable tool for another vulnerable tool. Yeah. Jen, so much fun to talk about this. And it and it feels like a theme I want to probably focus on coming into next year about this idea of data quality initiatives. They're just another aspect yes. of responsibility. The same way we focus on security because we want to stop it before the ransomware attack. It's like, let's deal with data quality before we make a catastrophic business decision. 
Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. We're not saying don't use Excel. Just know when <laughs> when you're doing too much with Excel, when it makes sense yes. to move that work in other ways. Uh, Jen Sturrup, you always make me think hard. I really appreciate your thoughts on this. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me along. I look forward to talking you, to you again in the future, hopefully soon. You bet. There's so much to talk about. Yeah, there is. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio.